So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type two collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hike the trail, check. Order takeout, check. Schedule heart checkup, done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Welcome to the Stephen Shields radio show. Today I am with uh, Sonic Yogi from Insight Timer. He is a meditation teacher, musician, and he's published courses. How are you? I'm great, Stephen. How are you? Good. I first came across your work on Insight Timer, and I was very fascinated with your Tibetan singing bowls. And I did meditation with that, and there was quite a very calming effect. How did you come up with that sort of style? Well, it, um, it was a little bit of a random thing. I experienced um, quite a bit of anxiety and stress in my life. Mm. And, um, and as I was recovering and, and learning to um, find ways to relax through that process, um, I actually began to um, notice how vibrations and sounds were affecting my body. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, during the deepest time of anxiety, I uh, was actually unable to listen to classical music, which was sort of what I always went to before for relaxation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I found that my mind was not able to really process all of the musical information, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like the chords and the harmonies and, and all of those things. I, I found that stressful. Um, And some, someone mentioned um, to me as I was reaching out to different people for assistance, someone mentioned sound healing style music. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I found that very relaxing to just allow my brain to sort of um, not have to focus on any musical elements mm. and to simply feel the frequencies and feel the simplicity of those vibrations. Mm. Um, and I found that my voice and humming and singing certain tones actually made me feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe a few months after that, I was able to attend a sound therapy conference mm-hmm. and they had singing bowls there mm-hmm. and, and I just really loved the sound and um, sometime after that I began to collect them. Yeah because I've noticed on your insight Tommy you've done some live streaming with the singing bowls and gives audience a chance to sit and meditate with them when you are meditating with singing bowls, do you have a technique that you do, or do you encourage the audience to find their own meditation techniques? Um, I do have some techniques that I 
generally like to recommend. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, focusing on the breath mm -hmm. and using the breath rhythm mm -hmm. to guide the the um, body and mind into a more meditative state I, is one I prefer. And I like to um, mention that. And it's very simple for people to follow a rhythm with their own breath. Mm. Um, so that's, that's a great technique. Um, and then, of course, there are other techniques like using an internal mantra or doing a body scan. Um, but in general, on the Insight Timer platform, I assume that most of the listeners, since it's a meditation app, already have some, mm. some uh, meditation practice of their own. Mm. And uh, I feel that the sounds themselves can really enhance any practice. Mm. And, and help assist the mind and the body in coming into those states of meditation. Where uh, do the Tibetan singing bowls ori originate from? Well, that's a good question. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure that anyone knows exactly for sure. Mm. They seem to have originated before Tibetan Buddhism. Mm. And there's some information out there that they were present in the culture before that, which was called Bon, mm. which was a, um, not necessarily Buddhist, but some of those practices have continued in Tibetan Buddhism. Mm. Um, and so there's really, it's one of those mysterious things where no one is 100% sure on mm how they originated or what they were used for. Mm. Um, but they're very prevalent now in various uh, Buddhist um, temples. You'll find different types of singing bowls mm -hmm. um, throughout the East and Asia. And so they're, some call them Tibetan singing bowls, some call them Himalayan singing bowls. There are also different types of singing bowls from from Viet Vietnam and mm. and things like that. Yeah, because they they got a very uh, I think a very good uh, calming presence on the brain as well. Um, I've used Tibetan singing bowls for bed before sleeping. Do you recommend people to lie in bed and meditate before bed, or sit in a chair, or sit in a traditional Buddhist way? What's what's your approach? I think it's really open to the person listening mm. and um, and so I think they can be used for any of those mm -hmm. purposes and um, I prefer to use them during meditation but I know some people like to lay down the sounds themselves can help us to mm. Uh, release melatonin with technology now and you know all our smartphones how do you recommend people to meditate with technology for your your practice um well i don't necessarily recommend um using the technology. I think it's nice that we can use these devices to play the music over. Um, I think we also have to be careful about using them too much. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, 
the technology of just looking at the light can the the blue light can affect our melatonin mm -hmm. um and so some people might have trouble sleeping if they use their phone too much mm. um but simply using it to uh listen to the music shouldn't be a problem mm -hmm. yeah um have you put your your work on cd or cassette tapes or have you gone digital Mainly digital. I yep. do have um, one album that I released last year mm -hmm. called Be the Love You Seek. Mm -hmm. And I pressed some CDs for that, but by and large, most of my work is digital only. I've noticed your website, you've got, your, you've got some MP3 downloads and you've got some work there. Did you publish most of your work from your website to insight timer or is you just um only give some of your stuff for free to insight timer some of it is exclusive to insight timer mm -hmm. um and some of it is that work that i previously had produced mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how much preparation goes in to preparing your work? Quite a bit. Um, I, well, I would say the first step what for me was collecting the singing bowls mm -hmm. and choosing the tones that worked well together. And the second step is, of course, recording the tracks. Mm -hmm. And I was a musician before I started exploring the sound therapy and so i had already developed some skill around recording mm -hmm. um so i began to record um so that would be kind of the, the next step and then i really take each track and i'll edit it or mix it and then meditate with it mm -hmm. for some time and sort of feel how how the track works for meditation mm -hmm. And sometimes I might find that it needs something tear there. Mm. Um, I might need to remove some sounds or add some sounds. So that's somewhat how the process goes. So there's a lot of work involved, and I think it's fantastic uh, what you do, what you've been doing on Insight Timer. How did Thank you come you. across Insight Timer? Did they approach you, or you approach them? I was releasing my music for um, free. And when I started the project Sonic Yogi, it was really mm. a side project in some respects. Mm. Um, it was really a healing process for me. And then I began to produce these um, recordings for myself and then also family and friends with the intention of helping people to relax and mm. release stress and and uh, anxiety and so i began to put them out on soundcloud and mm. um, things like that and um, that grew gradually over time and um, at some point i believe uh, a few years later insight timer contacted me mm -hmm. and said that they had heard the recordings and um asked you know if i would like to put them on the the insight timer app mm. and so i said yeah that sounds great In and, insight time has come 
a very long way because I used it. I've been using it for three years. And I remember the early days they were doing the um, daily meditation. Then they started adding the chat. Now they're going into live streaming. Hopefully soon they can keep the replay. Um, now they've got groups as well. Uh, I started mm -hmm. a group called the Law of Attraction, um, and people can comment. Now they're doing the a daily morning challenge in January. Mm -hmm. uh, have, have you got? Are you participating in that? I'm not. I just saw about it yesterday. Bugger. So. <laughs> It'd be good if you could. Well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't have much say in those those things. Um, I am uh, going to be offering um, individual mentoring sessions in January, mm -hmm. which which is a new feature. Um, so I'll I'll be um, able to meet with people one on one if mm. they want to have you know some questions answered and things like that. Mm. And you've mentioned, too, you've suffered anxiety. I suffer anxiety, too. And, you know, meditation does help. Um, I'm a musician. You play music. Do you play an instrument, or what, what do you do music-wise? Mm -hmm. I um, studied classical guitar, mm -hmm. and, and that was my music degree, was in classical guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was my main instrument. And then about... Ten years ago, I began learning flute, mm -hmm. um, Native American flute, and things like that. Yeah, I'm a clarinetist, so I did uh, clarinet in classical as well. So uh, got nice. to play all the symphony excerpts. Um, I did some duet playing with classical guitar as well, because classical guitar, I think it's I think it's an underrated instrument. For some reason, mm -hmm. not a lot of people do it. It's more contemporary. So, did you you learn to read music, or did you play from memory live? What was your teaching in classical guitar, and what uh, uh, did you go to college for it? Mm -hmm. Well, what what college did you study at? I studied at the University of Georgia, which yep. is in Athens, Georgia, mm. and. Um, so I learned all of the things that um, most musicians would learn in music school, and I learned to read music and and all of those things. And um, and then I also studied with a classical guitarist named Christopher Parkening, mm. who would teach in in the states in uh, Montana. Mm -hmm. And um, so I studied with him some as well. So I love the classical guitar, and. Um, really put a lot of effort into it back in those days yeah um did you play with the traditional way or sitting down what what way were you taught to play the classical guitar mm -hmm. yep i learned all the traditional ways with my foot on the footstool and yep. um, using fingernails on my right hand um, to pick the strings so i learned all of those traditional ways and um, now I'm not so traditional at all. Mm -hmm. um, over the years, I really evolved into my own playing style. Mm. After college, I made a few albums of only classical guitar. Mm -hmm. um, and then I began to play with the cellist um, as a partner. And we 
we created um, music that we called classical fusion. Mm-hmm. And since there wasn't very much repertoire for the cello and the guitar, we ended up arranging a lot of our own music. Um, we composed music, and then we would um, do arrangements of things like Pink Floyd and, and things like that. Mm. Did you listen to any Jimi Hendrix growing up or the Beatles, or did you get into rock music? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved all of that music, classic rock. Um, so I started, when I started with guitar, when I was an uh, early teenager, I basically was learning classic rock and um, things like Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, mm. that, those kind of things. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix, he was uh, quite an icon. I think it was the 70s. He was quite big and played at the Woodstock Festival as well. Mm -hmm. And then you had the Beatles and the Rolling Stones as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, Mick Jagger's still alive today. (laughs) Uh, You know, ACDC, did you get to listen to them growing up? Yeah, absolutely. I loved all of that music. Were you a vinyl or a cassette person? Mm, cassette was really what most people were listening to back in those days. Um, and then I guess vinyls come back, mm. so it's interesting. And when you learnt uh, music, did you have to do transcribing, like uh, listen to it and try and learn it, or what was your process with learning um guitar Um, a little bit of both i would learn things either from the music um, or in the early days um, maybe even tab Mm. Um, and then i would um, learn to pick out things by ear Mm -hmm. and um, and learn them that way what about tuning did you uh, rely on a tuner or were you did you learn to tune by ear in the very beginning, I definitely used a tuner, um, and then as I continued, I began to learn to, to do it by ear. Because you've got so many different uh, kilohertz with tuning. You can go 440, and then there's 441. Makes it a different sound as well. I think some orchestras are tuning to 444 kilohertz as well. Mm. So I think I think the Berlin Philharmonic they experiment with their tuning to get that sound as well. Um, yeah, but uh, you know I, I I used to practice tuning a lot on the clarinet. Um, there were certain notes that were the open throat notes that were flat, so you had to pitch it up sharp. Mm-hmm. And especially orchestral playing, you got to blend in with the orchestra. Mm-hmm. Did you experiment with other styles like jazz or uh, Indian raga music? Mm-hmm. Um, I did experiment with jazz on the guitar, and of course the guitar has so many different styles mm. that can be explored. So, Yeah, did you have an electric guitar growing up? Yes. Um my first electric guitar was a Les Paul copy. Nice. It was from a, it was from a 
store here in the States called Sears. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of like a department store. And they, they had their own brand of guitar. So that was my first guitar. Mm. Was it made in America? The Les Paul copy or Japan? You know, I don't remember at this point. I have no idea. Yeah, because one time everything was either made in Japan or the States. And now it's all mm -hmm. made in China, but you know the the quality was much better. If mm -hmm. it was if it was made in America, it was a Les Paul, and you knew it was a Les Paul. Um, I think there's some custom models going for about fifty thousand US. Yeah, but there's definitely much more expensive now. Mm. And the old Fender Strato Stratocasters that uh, Jimi Hendrix played as well. You know, they they had the that vintage blues rock sound. Um, great piece of equipment. Jimi Hendrix, he 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 played the uh, left-handed, a right right-handed guitar, flip it around, broke the rules, didn't care. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Light light his guitar on fire on stage at the end of a concert. You know. Yeah, did you ever go to Woodstock, or did you, did you go to any live music? In that generation? Um, not in that generation. Um, that would have been a little bit before my time. But um, I certainly love, you know, a lot of that music. And so much of the music from the late 60s, early 70s has uh, influenced everything that's come since then. Mm. The Beatles were a big influence. And still today, they're... Um they're being listened to still on Spotify everywhere. It's like we all remember the Beatles, Elvis Presley, the Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix. For some reason, they're still, their name remains out there. You know, and I think it's such a shame the Beatles broke up because if they were still alive, I think people would go and watch them play live. You know... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's classic music and great, great songwriting. Mm. Yeah, classical music for me. Where I studied Brahms, uh, Robert Schumann as well. Uh, Mozart was very popular. Did you experiment with any Mozart in your undergrad degree? Um, there's not a lot of uh, music from Mozart for the guitar. Fernando Sor, who's a Spanish composer, wrote a series of variations on Mozart. Mm. Um, and that's about as close as we had for the classical guitar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you doing uh, live gigging at the moment. Uh, tell the audience what type of gigs you do. Well, I play um, live sound baths mm -hmm. and... So that, that's a, co a combination of, you know, I'll play the guitar and I also play the singing bowls. Um, so I have metal singing bowls um, as well as crystal singing bowls. And um, I also play the flutes and gong and a few other instruments. And essentially, I usually play for meditation groups mm -hmm. or sometimes yoga classes and um 
and I play these sounds with the intention of helping people to get into a more meditative state. Mm. Yeah, there's so many meditation techniques out there, like you've got uh, chakra meditation, law of attraction. Uh, are you familiar with law of attraction, and do you meditate on that stuff, or what? what's your opinion on, you know, law of attraction? Um, I don't have that much of an opinion on that specifically. Mm-hmm. I suppose... Um, I understand the basics of it, Mm. Um, but um, I really think about, in terms of my approach, is really about how to use meditation to release stress, Mm. and and in that process of releasing stress, I believe that we have an understanding of our Mm. nature, our true self. Mm. Um, I think when we operate from that place um, and we take action from our, our truest intention that we, we do um, create or have the tendency to create the outcomes that we want. Mm. And so I guess in some sense that that could be similar to, the, to that law of attraction. Mm. Uh, so those are some of my thoughts around that. It's very interesting because I think uh, Einstein did quote the law of attraction and Thomas Edison very long, long time ago. If you want something bad enough, you know, I don't know, the universe can manifest it for you, but, you know, you have to put the work in. You have to really want it inside. It's mm-hmm. something I've been exploring for the last year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. It's interested me a lot. Tony Robbins might speak about it. Uh, Bob Proctor as well. But, uh, you know, goal setting. Um, have you used the vision board? Have you done any of that stuff? I have not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not personally, no. Mm-hmm. That's stuff I'm looking at doing. It's it's a topic that it's it's interesting, and you know personal growth as well. Um, yeah, and there's a teacher, Doctor Joe Dispenza. Um, mm-hmm. I've been looking at his stuff, and people who've had pain for years and done his meditation were able to just live pain free. I don't know why, I don't know how. With your work, do you have you had people say I feel much better now? I'm I'm cured. I do have people to write me and tell me how the sounds have helped them and that it's really helped to improve their situation in, in many different ways. So mm. that's been a wonderful thing to get that feedback. Mm. You know, and that's that's the positive of it, and uh, that's what meditation is good for. But you look at like, uh, you know, you got Buddhists where they they're what meditating eight hours, sixteen hours a day, mm-hmm. as well. Now, is that something they train to build up and and do over time, or is that? Yeah, I've always wondered how they do that. Mm-hmm. 
I suppose they build up. I personally have done a Vipassana meditation course, if you're familiar with that. Yep. And that's, you know, based in Buddhism. And in fact, they're able to meditate. I think it's around 10 hours. Um, and so you, you wake up around 4 o'clock in the morning and start meditating at 4.30 and, and, you know, continue throughout the day and do that for about 10 days mm-hmm. in a row. And is that and all silence? Is that what? Silent meditation, like you can't speak to anyone doing that? Yes, exactly. That's totally silent and you're not uh, supposed to speak to anyone during the 10 days. Wow. And you just sort of keep to yourself. What about Uh, eating as well and, you know, uh, going to the bathroom and showering? (laughs) mm -hmm. Are you allowed to do all that or do you have to, no, you got to meditate for 10 hours and that's it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, you you can go to the bathroom. (laughs) And um, they... uh, they provide the meals for you, so you don't have to worry about fixing your own meals. Mm. You you just eat at uh, those intervals, and it's all set up for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, the founder of the Headspace app, uh, Andy Purikombi, was a Buddhist, um, mm. and he's that app's focused on some of their techniques. But when you go on these retreats, are you finding your own meditation technique or are you doing what um, is advised for you to do? Well, in the case of the Vipassana retreat, you're following their technique. Mm-hmm. And so their technique is very specific and they advise you on, on that retreat to stay with their technique. Mm-hmm and not really mix it with anything you've learned previously so that you can really fully um, see how that technique works without any interference. Now, I know, I know a lot of Buddhists, when they meditate, sit in that uh, traditional, I think, on the floor, legs, what's that traditional posture they use? Was that taught to you, or could you do it modern in a chair, lying down? In, in the Vipassana teaching, they teach that you can do it in any way. Yep. And so there's people sitting the traditional way on a meditation cushion and then also sitting in chairs and, and any way that they can be comfortable. Mm. Part of my journey is if I uh, watch something stimulating on Netflix or Amazon Prime and try to, you know, meditate straight after, my, my brain's just going round and round and round. Mm-hmm. Should uh, people just switch off for 20 minutes and find that time to really concentrate on meditating? Um, or is, can you do it at any time of the day? What's your advice with that? I like to meditate in the morning as right after I wake up mm-hmm. and before I really start thinking too much about my day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then at night, I usually meditate right before bed. Mm-hmm. 
And so I sort of carve out those times for myself uh, as like sacred time that that's just for that mm. purpose. And um, especially after my experiences with anxiety, I found that it really helped me to just give myself a couple of hours at night before bed and shut off all of the TV and electronics mm. and and just allow my mind to settle. Yeah, because we've noticed during the lockdowns, uh, technology went up so much because we uh, had meetings on Zoom and Skype and phone and laptop, <laughs> iPad, um so it became well to be connected to the world you needed you needed a device and you know i've noticed lately i'm on my phone so much more than before the lockdown happened mm -hmm. do you uh, have times of the day where you're like no nah, i'm not touching my phone i'm just gonna forget technology um I haven't actually done that where I just shut it down, but I definitely understand what you mean. And um, with all of the meetings and connections that we have to make online now, it, it feels, you know, like a lot more than um, it was before all of this started. Hmm. Yeah, when I went on a meditation retreat about, I think it was 2018, I went, went on the day of my graduation went up to the Blue Mountains in, in Australia, um, and I just had my phone on flight mode the whole weekend because I just needed to get away from it, get out, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. just, just got to unplug the thing, mm -hmm. you know. But I found yeah. a meditation retreat was good. Um, it was more guided, not a, not a Vipassana one, but... Do you recommend beginners to go on a Vipassana meditation or how long should people wait before they try something like this? I wouldn't recommend it for beginners. Yep. I, um, I had been meditating for several years before I went and I was curious to, to see what, what something that, would be mm. uh, um, I would say it, um, it wouldn't re really be well for beginners. Mm. In general, when a person's meditating, of course, you're, you're, you're reaching into your subconscious to some degree, and there is a sort of process of mental healing that occurs. Mm. And um, so to do something that intensely focused, it's, uh, it's possible that it could be too much in that process of mental healing, it could be overwhelming. Because mm. there's a Buddhist technique taught on the headspace that where you just let the mind just go, just let it go. And you, you mm -hmm. can do a silent, um, there's some, you know, you do 10 days of silent practice. I explored a bit of that in silent, but I found that I uh, get a bit restless with mm -hmm. silence. And, um, I found if I put music on, Tibetan bowls is, is just good. It's just uh, healing. But when you do these retreats, is it just complete silence altogether? Mm -hmm. So there's no Tibetan bowls, nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's incredible. 
That is incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's what 10 hours a day you were meditating for. Yes. Um, there is, in the Vipassana, there is some chanting from the, the founder. Um, S.N. Goinka is his name. And, and he does some, I guess, Buddhist chanting mm. at the different intervals. So that, that happens during the course. Mm. I've noticed that part of the Buddhist tradition is they're vegetarian and vegan as well, and they mm-hmm. drink water, um, tea. Do you follow that lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Yes. With uh, the vegetarian life, have you noticed, do you feel more healthier? Do you feel better? Um, I, I do feel good i i haven't eaten meat in Mm. many years so it's hard for me to have a reference Mm. um to what that was but um but yes and i think um it's a good good lifestyle from a health perspective um and Mm. you know there's plenty of research that shows that and then i think it's in many ways good for the environment mm. um, and of course it's good for the animals mm. Mm. makes your immune system stronger as well to to no. beat to beat COVID-19 you've got to have a strong immune system definitely yeah, yeah that's the thing with meat um, it's very processed as well um, I think vegetarian because that's what we got fed was just vegetarian food. It was just good to have a change and have tea, mm-hmm. coffee. When you went on your retreat, did you were you able to have access to coffee, tea, or was it just simply just water and uh, vegan diet? Um, there was it was vegan diet, and there was, I believe, I remember there being tea. Mm. Um, in the evening. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So for yeah. future work, what what are you planning for 2021 for Insight Timer? I'm considering working on another course. Yep, I've um, done your courses. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm considering a kind of a progression from that mm-hmm. and um, and producing more music as well mm-hmm. and releasing that on the app as well. Mm-hmm. How much work goes into making a course for Insight Timer? For me personally, I spend um, several months doing mm-hmm. it. Um, so it takes quite a while. I, most of what I'm doing has um, come from my own experience mm-hmm. uh, through meditation and, and things like that. And then what I try to do is balance that with science. Mm-hmm. And I research the things that, that I um, discover and then... Um, balance that with the research and present that in the course and you know i like to do that so that that people 
and experience um, mm. those ideas from a more grounded and scientifically proven place. Mm. And um, so I think that what I present, I want it to either be self-evident, meaning that people can sort of explore their own mind and determine whether something's true or not, mm -hmm. or, um, or for there to be some scientific basis mm. around it. Have you experimented with binaural beats? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it I have true? Some, yeah. some of those in my um, in my music as well. Is it advised to be wearing headphones with binaural beats, and does it help with uh, alpha brain waves? It can, um, of course. Binaural, for those that don't know. By means ear, um, and then oral, A-U-R-A-L, means ears. Mm. So if you're listening to a binaural beat, for example, what you're hearing is um, the difference between two tones, and that creates a rhythm or a beat. And so, for example, if there's the pitch of 100 hertz in the right ear mm. and then the pitch of 105 hertz in the left ear then as those two pitches come together they create a, a beat of five hertz because they're different by five hertz mm. Mm. Um, and and so the idea is that that beat of five hertz helps to entrain or synchronize the brain waves down into that um, state. Mm -hmm. um, so if someone creates a binaural beat in the range of, say, 8 hertz for alpha range, the idea is that listening to that over a certain amount of time will help the listener's brain waves mm. to come into that place. Mm. Yeah, because uh, Kenneth, I think, Soralis... Uh, he's got a, quite a fair bit of work with binaural beats and affirmations as well. And uh, they do make you feel better, I think. Mm -hmm. And even if I'm doing some study, I'll, I'll put binaural beats on just to, just to concentrate better. There was another technique I learned from the headspace that was on, on focus. So, like, uh, just focusing on a pebble or a candle. You know, you mm. do the focus meditation. I had a big problem with concentration when I was studying music. I would just, my mind would just wander off when I was in a rest in the orchestra and then I'd get lost. So I'd do these little exercises and concentration was much better. When you were a musician, did you have problems with concentration and focus as well? Um, I found that music actually probably helped me to concentrate. Yep. And um, using my mind differently for, like, for example, just to learn to read music and things like that, I felt like it really helped me in some ways to sort of exercise those parts of my mind. 
All right, thanks for listening to today's uh, podcast with Sonic Yogi on Insight Timer. You can check him out. Uh, you can check out his website. I will put the links in the description. Please remember to uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, follow me on Instagram and my Facebook page. Also, you can uh, donate to my show on my GoFundMe page as well. Also, uh, yeah, follow my work on Spotify and Amazon Music. And, you know, share this podcast with people you know. Thanks for listening to today's show. See you later. Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.